how are you now? <laughs> how are you right now? Hope everybody's staying warm. Seems like it got very cold simultaneously everywhere across Canada all at once. Hello and welcome to episode 46 of the Bottom Six Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake and you know... Last episode, I think I was a little bit testy. Uh, that effort against the Ottawa Senators uh, disgusted me a little bit. And uh, your Montreal Canadiens were back in action on Saturday night to take on the Boston Bruins, who are, you know, if they're not the best team in the NHL right now, they're among them. Um, they are legitimately very good, uh, frustratingly so, as a Habs fan who uh, really doesn't like them. Um, but, you know, it's not going to be an easy outing for the Montreal Canadiens, no matter how you slice it. Uh, that's not a team that they are expected to beat ever. And uh, it's probably a team that, you know, by the time the Habs are actually ready to beat them, the, the Bruins are probably going to have a lot of players aging out and they're, you know, probably going to be heading towards their own rebuild. So, you know, the, the tide will turn eventually. But for now, we have to look at a very good Bruins team at the top of the Eastern Conference while the Montreal Canadiens struggle. Uh, to stay in the middle of the basement. Uh, not quite fully in the basement, but the, we're calling it the middle of the basement at this point. So not an easy outing for them coming off of that shitty effort against the Senators. So what are they going to look like? How are they going to you know, try and come back from that absolutely brutal effort? Well, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to the recap and everything else. But before we do... Even as I record this podcast, I can see that the NFL playoffs are in full swing, and with the NBA season as well, Bet Online has you covered with all the up-to-the-second odds, news, and scores. With additional odds, lines, trends, and info on both desktop and mobile, you can access the world's best wagering information anytime. Head there today to get in on the action and see all the updated odds, and remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And this game, if you bet the under on this game, you started to cry very early in it. Uh, there was a lot of scoring to go around for both teams, uh, at least in the early goings of this game. Uh, honestly, pretty good start from the Habs. Like they're skating with the Bruins. The only time that they really looked outclassed was when the Pasternak and Brad Marchand line was out there. That was really the only time that they kind of looked where it looked clear that they were up against the best team in the East and that they were not quite even close to that. So, uh, honestly, was not upset with the start of the game. The Bruins would get the first power play of the game. The Habs would hold them off, and then the Habs would get their first chance just before the midway point of the period, and they cannot be held back. Great line hold by Mike Matheson. He gets it over to Uri Slavkovsky. He throws it into the middle for Sean Monaghan. Monaghan goes down low to Cole Caulfield at the side of the net, and he puts it in. And the Habs have a 1-0 lead on potentially the best team in the NHL. Doesn't last super long, though. Uh, really doesn't last long at all. Um, Brandon Carlo... A little bit later, he's driving the middle. Uh, pass comes in off the wall from Trent Frederick, and he just deflects it into the net. Uh, it's 1-1 just like that. But a little later in the period, Joshua Roy comes steaming through the neutral zone, picks up a loose puck, drives wide, protects the puck really well, and puts a perfect pass into the middle right in front of the net to Yoel Armia driving, and he puts it in. It's 2-1. to one. The Habs restore their lead. What a fucking play by my boy, Le Sniper Beauceron, showing that he can pass a little bit as well, but late in the period. Jake DeBrusque, he just comes out of the corner this time, and nobody checks him. Uh, Yoel Armia's kind of just looking at him. Uh, Jaden Struble's in the wrong spot altogether, and he just walks in, jams it up against the post, and puts it in, and it's 2-2. And right after that, Charlie McAvoy gets a point shot. Somehow it ricochets off Danton Heinen's skate. 
I think it was off his skate anyways, and it goes in, and it's 3-2. to two. That's your score at the end of 20 minutes. Like I said, if you bet the under on Bet Online or anywhere else, uh, you were probably not too happy uh, about your <laughs> parlay that you are trying to put together for that night in the NHL. Um, not going to be an under kind of night between the Habs and the Bruins. They go into the second period, and honestly, make no mistake, uh, as disappointing as the final few minutes were, as, as rough as it was to see them give up the lead and then immediately uh, go down a goal as well, that was a really good first period. Like, that was a competitive, uh, it was good hockey. I, no complaints, especially coming off that game against the Senators. That's what I wanted to see. We go into the second, can they continue that same kind of hockey? And for the first little bit, it is. They're going back and forth. But then Charlie Coyle takes a high-sticking penalty just over five minutes in. Huge opportunity for the Habs. And this time, they again cannot be held back. This time it's not Cole Caulfield, but it's Sean Monaghan with a neat little no-look backhander for, uh, up to the point. <clears throat> Monaghan's standing in the middle of the ice, high slot, and he just no-looks it back to Mike Matheson. And Mike Matheson pounds that puck past everybody. It ties the game up at three. But the Bruins would get that one back as well relatively quickly, just under 10 minutes to play in the second period. Danton Heinen, this time he comes in on a two-on-one. He keeps and he shoots top ched. Beat Samuel Montembeau. I feel like that's one Montembeau probably should have had. Uh, but I digress. Uh, the score is now 4-3 to three in favor of the Bruins. And shortly after that, David Pasternak sends one out front. Charlie Coyle's driving the crease, and he just one-hands it. Just get, that's all he needs. Just get one hand on it, tips it up and over Samuel Montembeau. And it's 5-3 to three for the Bruins. The Habs not quite going away in this one, though. They're down by two goals, but they're still playing. And with just over six minutes to go in the period, Brendan Gallagher. It's a big hold at the line, so he's able to hold the offensive zone, goes back down, he's doing some really good work down low, uh, gets an opportunity out front, and uh, he gets stopped, but the puck ricochets back, goes off Lindholm's stick and into his own net. It's 5-4. to four. I mean, again, they do not ask how, they ask how many, and Brendan Gallagher got an important one there to bring his team within one. Now, Matt Grizzlick would take a penalty for interference with about a minute left on the clock. They could not score, but they would have a minute of power play time on the other side in the third period. And then the Habs came out in the third period and laid an egg. It was an absolutely horrendous third period. Really ate up a lot of the goodwill that they were building for me through those first two competitive periods. Again, I don't give a shit if this team loses. I give a shit how they lose or how they win, right? This third period... um, it's going to stick with me a little bit. I don't know if I'm going to be ranting as much as I was after last game, but uh, let's go through it real quick. Um, they cannot score on the remaining minute of their power play. Guess who? Just for that, uh, David Pasternak with a partial break against Jaden Struble. Initial save by Samuel Montembeau, but Pasternak gets the rebound, puts it in 6-4. to four. A few minutes later, it's Brad Marchand, the slot, 7-4. to four. Now the game's getting away from them. Pavel Zaka makes it 8-4 to four with his 100th goal of his career. And that's the end of Samuel Montembeau's night. Doesn't get any better. Danton Heinen gets his hat trick and makes it 9-4 to four on the power play. That was your final score, 9-4. to four. Um, I don't know what to say about that. Um, I was really impressed with their effort through two periods. Um, I thought that was... A close, competitive game. It was exactly the kind of response I wanted to see to that Ottawa game. Uh, But that third period really ruined it for me. It really ruined it for me because I'm watching that. I mean, it was not, like, the game was not that far off in terms of shot attempts. Like, possession-wise, they were relatively even throughout that game. But the Habs could not play to save their lives in their own zone. Uh, Absolutely horrible defensive effort. And it got way worse, specifically in that third period. It's like every chance... 
that the Bruins got, you could just book it as a goal. The moment that you saw them uh, with a chance developing, you could just snap your fingers and be like, that's going and it's going to go, it's going to be in the net. And it's, it's kind of rough because like after 40 minutes, I was sitting here and, you know, I was looking at my game notes and I'm like, man, I'm going to be able to have a really positive podcast coming out of that game. And that third period really took the wind out of my sails. So I'm going to try to focus on the positives and not too much on that third period. Um, Hopefully we can treat that like an anomaly. And those other 40 minutes are the ones that we can look at and really go, okay. You know, they, they went toe to toe with one of the best teams in the league, Uh, a team that again, that you're not expecting to beat them. Right. And as I've said, I don't want to sound like a broken record, keep repeating myself, but I do not care when they lose this season. Like when they lose, all I see is the, the draft position improving or the potential draft position improving. There's a lottery, of course. You're not just going to immediately get a better pick because you lost more games, but that's what I see. I see I see the, uh, their, their pick improving, and I only care about how they do it, and that third period is what irked me. You know, if they lost... I don't know. Let's call it seven to five. They got one more goal and uh, the Bruins stopped at seven. That would have been beautiful for me. Uh, you know, great. You know, you guys put up five goals. You had a great game. and uh, But you just ran up against a much better team. That's, that's fantastic. That's the kind of loss I want to see. I don't want to see 9-4. I don't want to see you guys just stop playing in the third period, hanging your heads, looking like dog shit. Don't do that. Anyways. I want to try to keep this positive, and we, we do, unlike the last game, we do have a silver lining in this one. Matter of fact, we got a few silver linings as far as I'm concerned, and uh, it starts with my boy, Le Sniper Bolson, Joshua Hua. Um, he was excellent in that game. He was excellent, and there were some people online on Twitter and stuff wondering, you know, why uh, he was not the one that was left out of the lineup because Josh Anderson made his return uh, from injury tonight, and instead of sending Hua back down to the Rocket, they actually took uh, Jesse Elanen out of the lineup, which you know, I'm not always in favor of taking out a young player. I would have preferred probably to see an older guy come out, but the, the one thing that you got to take away from that is they clearly view him as somebody they can't be taking out of the lineup right now, and it's true. He looks every bit like a day-in, day-out NHL player right now, the way that he's playing. He looks like an everyday guy that you can put into your lineup, and I think He's going to continue playing like this, and he's going to make it an extremely difficult decision to send him back to the AHL. Matter of fact, I think he's playing too good right now for them to even consider sending him back to the AHL. I think the only way that they should do it at at this moment is if everybody's back from injury and you got a contract situation on your hands where you just can't have him up anymore. I I really don't. I, I think he's playing well enough where he is proving that he belongs in the NHL. Um, this is now, you know, he puts another point up on the board, um, been playing fantastic hockey since he came up and that line with him Monaghan and Yoel Armia is arguably the best thing the Habs have going I mean the, the most dangerous line they have is always going to be that top line that forechecking from Uri Slavkovsky Cole Caulfield's shot and Nick Suzuki's just all-around two-way game and ability to set up plays is, is always going to make them more dangerous but now they've got secondary scoring coming from that line um, with uh, with Hawaii up there and it, it's 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 a game changer. They, they they look a lot more dangerous, especially when they have at least two or three lines firing in general, which they did against the Bruins for 40 minutes. So I, I just, you know, all this to say a roundabout way to get back to Joshua Hua, um, I, I don't think that they can send him down. I don't think they should. And I think they should bide their time. Let this kid keep playing. Matter of fact, give that line more minutes. You, you need to start using them a little bit more. Um, they've been showing you something here and this was on the road where you don't have last change and they looked that good. They were statistically, they were the best line. 
for the Habs in a game where you didn't have last change and the Bruins had every opportunity to exploit that line and they couldn't do it. So, I don't know. You, you can't send that kid down. He's, he's earned the right, I think, to finish as much of the rest of the season as he can in the NHL and keep proving his worth to you uh, and improve maybe even his outlook for, for next season in the lineup. Uh, really, really happy for him. And uh, uh, not to toot my own horn, but a toe to so. A fucking a toe to so. I've been yelling about this kid for a couple of years now, and a lot of people called me nuts. And, oh, he's a fifth-round pick, and he's too slow. He's not going to make the NHL. Well, are you seeing what I'm seeing? Are you seeing what I'm seeing? He belongs there. Uh, great news for the Habs. You know, get an absolute steal of a fifth-round pick. Outside of Hawaii, obviously, he's uh, a little close to my heart. I'm a big fan of his. Um, there, there were still some other good things to talk about in that game as well. And um, I, I think it goes back to what I was saying when I was talking about that second line, the first line. Uh, the, the top line, I really did not like their play in the third period. I, I got to say that. But whose, whose play was good in the third period? Nobody on Montreal. Uh, out, the first 40 minutes, that top line was, was buzzing. And they were generating some really good scoring chances. Uri Slavkovsky looked hungry in that game. His puck pursuit was relentless. It was violent. And uh, I, every time he was on the ice, he was, you know, I was kind of, you know, sitting up a little bit in my chair, like, well, what's he going to do here? Because he was going into the corners with like malicious intent, and uh, you, you got to love to, you love to see it. It's, it's the same thing that I've been mentioning in multiple recaps this season about him, where he's finally starting to play like a guy who figured out how big he is, and it's uh it's it's a revelation and it's it's really good to see that from him this season it's really good to see the chemistry as well that he's developing with Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield they're starting to have this innate sense of where they are on the ice it's been a slow burn but you you see it with the way they're generating some of these chances with no look passes and just one touches tap passes um they're really starting to figure out where everybody is on the ice at all times and it's it's starting to look like uh you know, we, we may have the, the number one line of the future. I, I think it, patience is kind of the key here. I think they got to keep letting them play together. Cole Caulfield is now on a five-game goal streak, right? So he he was struggling to score at the start of the year. There was a whole mess of games where he didn't put any pucks in the net. A lot of people were wondering what's going on with him. And now as they've started to develop more chemistry, now all of a sudden Cole Caulfield on a five-game goal streak. Uri Slavkovsky looking really good. Nick Suzuki still putting up points. What more could we really ask for from that top line? I mean, I guess we could ask for a way better fucking third period against the Bruins, at least. But that, that's about it. That's about it. Outside of that, outside of that shitty third period, which again, everybody had a shitty third period. They were great, and and that's excellent news. And now you you've got this interesting thing with Joshua Hawaii where how, how do we build a second line for next year, right? I hate to go back and start talking about the same line that I already talked about before, but I think it's I think it's pertinent to this game because the Hawaii line, and this is another silver lining really, is increasing the potential value of Armia and Sean Monaghan. Like Yoel Armia is playing some of the best hockey that we've ever seen him play in Montreal. I've been of the opinion for quite some time, anybody who listens to this podcast can attest that he's untradeable. I don't think that they're going to be able to trade him, and I still kind of don't. However... You look at how he's playing lately, and like just maybe Kent Hughes has some kind of miracle where you can get that salary off the books. I really don't think they're going to get much for him, but if anything, his value is on the rise right now, and there's a po- there's always a possibility. And as for Monaghan, I mean, Monaghan, we always knew he was going to have some value. His, his cap hit is almost nothing, even for a full season. When you get his deadline cap hit, 
into the equation. It's it's literally nothing. And the, the contract comes off the books at the end of the year. Playoff teams are going to be lining up for a Sean Monaghan. They're not going to have a problem moving him. And apparently the price is starting with a first-round pick. Unless there's a blue-chip prospect coming the other way, then they might be able to uh, downgrade that pick. So they're going to get something for Sean Monaghan. And a lot of his value right now is tied to his performance and the fact that he's staying healthy. So we've we've checked off the staying healthy box, and the performance is now coming up. Uh, with Josh McAwell on that line, they've developed some legitimate chemistry, and it's I, I really believe that it's, it's going to make a difference in what they're going to be able to get out of Sean Monaghan at the deadline. But that does leave you with a bit of a conundrum of who are you going to play Wild with next year because it sure looks like he could be a, a key player on a second line for you. So maybe that centerman is going to be Kirby Doc. Um, and then who are you going to put on the other wing? Is it going to be Alex Newhook? I don't know. There's a lot of interesting possibilities, and that's why I wanted to talk about this all as a silver lining because I, I really think that th- this team could take a big step forward next year. We always knew this year was going to be a small step. They, they weren't going to, you know, they weren't really going to challenge for the playoffs, but they probably weren't going to be in the bottom five either. Next year, I, I think they might be sitting on the playoff bubble if everything goes well. If they draft well, they make a couple of additions, and if you know if they can graduate some players like Joshua Hua, uh, I, I really do think that um, they, they could be on the bubble. Now, are they going to make the playoffs? I don't know. That's That might be a bridge too far for me to, to commit to right now, not knowing what the team's going to look like, but I think they're going to take a big step forward. And when you look at a game like this, again, you have 40 minutes. You have 40 minutes of really good hockey that you could you know, look at that tape over and over again and be like, look, here's all the good things we did. But at the same time, take that last 20 minutes, that third period, show them that film and start pointing out some of the defensive lapses. Because if you can start ratcheting down some of these problems that occur for them in the defensive zone, I really think it could go a long way to eventually making the playoffs. Like some of these young players, they can learn from these mistakes. Uh, Again, you were against one of the top teams in the NHL. And you were right there with them until the final 20 minutes. And then you you let it slip away. So you got to look at that. You got to go... What did we do and what could we do differently? Um, I think this is another one where they got a bit of a lesson of what happens when your goalie doesn't show up in God mode. Samuel Montembeau had maybe his worst game of the season. And it wasn't terrible. I'm, I'm not blaming him for the loss. But, you know, they, they're kind of, they've grown accustomed to him stealing games for them. And this is what happens when he doesn't. You know, you have to be able to put together a game that gives you a chance to win as much as you as much as you might go to your goalie and say well we need you to give us a chance to win yeah you got to give him a chance to win too and not showing up for the third period is is, is a heck of a way to make sure that you're going to lose a game so anyways i don't, I don't want to turn this into a rant honestly i want to focus on the positives they played 40 really good minutes against the boston bruins 40 really good minutes 20 shitty ones throw those 20 in the garbage before you do, make sure that you watch them over and over again. Burn it into your brains, all the things that you need to fix, and throw them in the garbage. Get out for your next game, and give me 60 minutes that look like the 40 that you played there. So um, that's about it for me. Uh, we're running almost 20 minutes. So we are on Spotify, Google Play, Apple. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate that very much. This episode was brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you, as always, for listening. And, of course, à la prochaine.